Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. Dr. David Vale isn't your typical dog, cat, or even cow veterinarian, but the research he does may one day not only help your pet, but also your human family members. For the Midwest Farm Report, this is Carrie Mess. Dr. Vale is a veterinarian at UW School of Veterinary Medicine who specializes in oncology. He is a member of the first-of-its-kind Canine Health and Registry Exchange Scientific Advisory Board. The group says they want to provide the veterinary community and dog owners with important data to help guide canine cancer diagnosis and treatment. But his research doesn't stop there. He also works with the Carbone Cancer Institute to help solve some of the mysteries in human cancer. Dr. Vale, tell me more about the research you are doing right now and how it's bridging cancer research between humans and animals. You know, over the last 30 years of my career, I guess you would classify me as a as clinical researcher. And the, the field that I'm in is a field called comparative oncology. And comparative oncology is the field where we're trying to understand cancer in general, both from a therapeutic standpoint, that is new treatments that develop for cancer, uh, new diagnostics for developing to diagnose cancer earlier, uh, with an eye to uh, transfer what we learn about treating and diagnosing cancers in various species to hopefully accelerate the time it takes to get new drugs and new diagnostics uh, available to all species. So, for example, developing a new treatment for a cancer in pet dogs or companion dogs uh, may very well translate into a new treatment for humans and vice versa. And so this field of comparative oncology is designed to look at cancer in many, many species to hopefully better understand it and in a quicker fashion. So some of the tumors that develop, for example, in dogs develop much quicker and either respond uh, to treatment or not respond to treatment quicker than what would occur in people so that we can gather some data on effectiveness before and after. So through the inclusion of what we call a parallel patient population, so our, our pet dogs and cats are essentially a parallel population, patient population to people and vice versa. We um, look for new novel therapies and when we, we find what we think is a good therapy, then we'll investigate it in our, our companion dogs. And if it uh, seems to work in that species, it's actually very likely that it will work in other species as well. In that fashion, we can accelerate the, the movement of these drugs into the uh, medical field. I currently, most of my research is on an area called immunotherapy, which is a means of making a patient's immune system seek out, find, and kill cancer cells before they actually develop into tumors. And so this is what our immune systems were designed to do in the first place. They circulate throughout our bodies and they look for infections and they look for cancer cells or early cancer cells and clear them before they become a problem. Now, just like the rest of our bodies, unfortunately, as we age, our immune systems get tired as well, and they stop recognizing many of the cues that this particular cell is abnormal or is cancerous, and that's why cancer rates increase both in dogs and cats and, and also in people to a higher rate as we get older. So much of our research uh, that we do here at the veterinary school in cancer research, as well as what's going on in the Carbone Cancer Center at uh, Human Medical Hospital are uh, ways of making an older immune system young again and uh, 
teaching it and educating it to uh, look for certain cues that are uh, associated with uh, cancer cells. So that's kind of in a nutshell what we do. That is such fascinating research. As you were explaining, I was thinking about how different and yet the same our bodies and systems are between humans and dogs. It sounds to me like the treatment bridges really happen because of how different treatments go about like tackling the cancer cells rather than the animal the cancer is in. Is that a good way to explain it? Yeah, in many cases, that's absolutely correct. It may not be that a drug that works for one particular type of cancer in a person will work for that type in the dog, but the mechanism or the target may be agnostic or uh, irrelevant as far as the tumor type. If that tumor has the same target that we can attack, then that drug will work. And so for kind of traditional chemotherapy, uh, there's a very good correlation. What works for a particular type of tumor in people tends to have a very high likelihood of working in the dog and vice versa. Some of these newer treatments like immunotherapeutics, there, there is a difference between the species that we have to uh, tweak the drugs uh, a little bit such that they're biologically more like a dog's, for example, an antibody, giving antibody therapy, you know, which is kind of the uh, come to fame lately over COVID. Uh, COVID antibodies can be used to treat COVID. If dogs developed a, a COVID infection, you couldn't use the human monoclonal antibody in the dog. You would have to modify it to a canine antibody uh, first. And so that's, you know, somewhat of of what we do as well. So there are certainly similarities, but there there can be differences that that can be hurdles to overcome as well. Antibodies is something that dairy farmers are pretty used to talking about. You know, we know the transfer of antibodies happens from colostrum in between calves and cows. I think one big question out there that many people have is why so many of our pets are being diagnosed with cancer. Is the uptick more because of advanced diagnostics or pets living longer? There, there's a there's a few reasons, but probably the the number one reason is that the care that uh, our our companion animal caregivers give uh, is so much better than it was you know a few decades ago. Our vaccination programs are better, better nutrition, a much stronger and recognized companion animal bond. So our our patients are getting healthier and living longer. And of course, as as I had previously described, as you get older, tend to get more cancers for a couple of reasons: mutations in the cancer cells or in the normal cells build up over time and can ultimately lead to cancer. But also our immune system, which was designed to recognize cancer and kill it before it develops a, a growth, gets tired as we get older as well. So that's that's one reason. And with some tumor types as well, they're associated with exposure to carcinogens, for example, chemicals in our environment. And as our environment more, quote unquote, dirty due to industrial toxins, etc., cancer rates for certain tumor types uh, increase. And the classic example would be non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which uh, increases in in, uh, rate every year in people uh, with the same increase in dogs. And that's definitely been associated with uh, environmental uh, toxins and hazards. There are a lot of different groups working on different aspects of treating and curing cancer across humans and animals. And there's funding coming from a bunch of sources. Tell me a little more about some of the partnerships in the comparative oncology world that you've seen. 
most of my work is, is, as I mentioned, clinical trial work, which is trying novel therapeutics and no- novel diagnostics, trying them out uh, by including companion animals with naturally occurring cancers. Unfortunately, we see a lot of cancer in our dogs and cats. And uh, it's been well recognized over the last couple of decades now by uh, organizations like the National Cancer Institute, for example, who fund some of our, our work. Uh, Veterans Administration, uh, believe it or not, also funds some of our work because uh, common cancer in the dog, uh, malignant melanoma, also occurs in people. And in people, it's sunlight-induced. And so uh, our armed forces working in, for example, the Middle East that have a higher level of sunlight exposure have a higher rate of cancer. So uh, we're funded uh, to look for novel uh, treatments for melanoma. And then there are organizations that uh, fund uh, this comparative oncology approach that are more animal-based, like the Morris Animal Foundation or the American Kennel Club fund a lot of of, uh, cancer research. And their charter is totally different. Their charter is animal health and the National Cancer Institute's charter is human health. But the two have come together to recognize that we can solve some of these problems uh, quicker by uh, including all species in in the uh, the clinical trials and the research that goes on. So there are several organizations of which we're a part. We have an internal organization, a, a comparative oncology working group that has physicians from the Carbone and veterinarians from our veterinary school uh, that we meet and uh, discuss common uh, problems and research questions, and then we go about trying to solve those together. Uh, there are national organizations. For example, as example, the National Cancer Institute has a uh, what's called the Comparative Oncology Program, which uh, has an eye to this uh, idea of comparative oncology where they, uh, for example, if a researcher at the National Cancer Institute develops a novel anti-cancer drug, there's about 20 veterinary schools in the United States and Canada that um, will start looking at the effectiveness and the safety of those drugs in pet dogs that develop cancer that we don't have a kind of a standard of care for. Other national organizations uh, Many of your listeners may be associated or aware of the V Foundation, uh, which is uh, the largest uh, cancer funding agency on the human side. It's got close ties with uh, ESPN. Uh, They fund some of our our work as well. And uh, there's a national organization of six veterinary schools that also have a National Cancer Institute a recognized cancer center like the Carbone. And so we work as an organization to include our, our companion dogs at our veterinary schools in, in new uh, drug and diagnostic development as well. So there's a, there's a lot going on in the comparative oncology space right now that's pretty exciting. This might sound a little far-fetched for some of the listeners out there, but as a veterinarian, you really do have a role in the hands-on care of humans too. When my son was born, he had a rare tumor, and his doctors took the information they had to something called a tumor board. And you're part of that, right? Yeah, we we get together uh, every Wednesday. We have grand rounds uh, in the mornings over at the Carbone, where um, you know, cutting edge uh, either research or uh, information on on cancers is presented, and I've presented at that. The physicians certainly at the Carbone present at that, and we kind of get together once a week for that. That organization, internal organization the Comparative Oncology Working Group, uh, we meet uh, regularly as well. Tumor boards, that that particular term is usually uh, is applied to every week um, 
uh, all the cancer biopsies um, from patients, whether it's the veterinary patient or the human patient, uh, are reviewed by a team of pathologists, surgeons, medical oncologists, and radiation oncologists, and we come up with the best treatment plan for a particular individual, and we do that on a weekly basis. Another part of this cancer puzzle that many farmers are familiar with is looking at genomics. While farmers are using genomics to pick bulls for their herd, you use genomics to really do deep dives into what's causing different types of cancer. Yeah, so there's a lot of work, obviously, in the area of of genetics and uh, the genetic causes of cancer. There are similarities and differences between the species, obviously, but the the synteny, that is the the similarity of where genes are associated on chromosomes, is much closer, uh, for example, dog to man or dog to person than rat to person or mouse to person. So in many respects, what we can learn about the genetic basis of cancer may be better recapitulate what goes on in people if we're looking at dogs. And it doesn't really matter where these genes are on the chromosome. If, if they're coding for the same target, for example, if we can take, for example, a tumor that's very common in the dog, which is bone cancer, which is quite rare in, in kids, it's a, it's a cancer of children. If we can find genetic uh, changes in dogs with with bone cancer because we see so many of them and learn from that and then go back and look in the rarer case in people and see if and look for that same target. That's a way that the comparative oncology approach can utilize cancer uh, genetics to accelerate our, our, our treatment options. It's truly amazing how genetics has not only drastically improved agriculture in a relatively very quick period of time, but the advancements in cancer research are just astounding to me. I, I remember, you know, when I arrived here at UW some 30 years ago, Greg McEwen, my mentor, was a medical, veterinary medical oncologist. But when you talk about agriculture, he was working with a company called Powderjack that, that uh, was developing uh, gene therapies for plants, for agricultural plants. And it was uh, this gene gun would fire little gold particles uh, into the cells of, of agricultural plants and modify the genetics, deliver these genes to the plants. And uh, they started using the same instrument to deliver genetic uh, therapies into pet dog uh, cancer cells in hopes of developing therapies that way. So yeah, there's absolutely a tie. You know, I mean, science crosses all all species, you know, many barriers. And, uh, uh, you know, something that might seem very obscure to somebody and why why are we studying that that particular aspect when it has, you know, very remote bearing on people or dogs? There really is a tie. There really is a connection. That was Dr. David Vale, a veterinarian doing research at UW Vet School on cancer, specifically focusing on comparative oncology, which is helping both humans and animals here in the Badger State and across the world. For the Midwest Farm Report, this is Carrie Mess.